Hi, everyone. I'm Elena Aguilar, and welcome to the Bright Morning Podcast. All right, folks, today I've got a type of episode for you that we are calling What Do You Say When? And here's what I want you to imagine. If we met in person, if you came to one of my workshops, maybe you have in the past been to one of my workshops, then during the breaks or during lunch, I would be wandering around and chatting with people afterwards. And I'll tell you like, yeah, I love talking to you during the breaks. Come up to me. Let's chat. And you might come up and you might say, you know, what do you say when you're in a coaching conversation? And the client says, that sentence stem is one that I have heard so many times from folks when I meet them. Okay, that what do you say when? And that I have continued to hear in the virtual world as I have done many, many, many uh, learning engagements and events virtually in the last year. And so that's the inspiration for this kind of episode. What do you say when? So today I'm going to jump into what do you say when someone says, I don't know how. All right. Before... I give you my answer. I want to thank a few of our our friends of the podcast. Actually, I want to thank Kathy J from Rhode Island. Thank you so much for your support. Your patronage allows us to keep this show ad free. And if you are loving this podcast, please make sure you've subscribed so you don't miss an episode. And if you don't already sign up to receive my weekly newsletter tips and invitations to monthly free webinars and so on, you'll find links in the show notes. Okay, now I'm going to jump into I don't know how. So first of all, In a coaching conversation, when the client says, I don't know how, the first thing I do inside of me is a little cheer, a little jump up and down, because what I hear in that statement is a door, an entry point, an opening perhaps to learning. The implication in that statement is that there is a skill gap. I don't know how, or perhaps a knowledge gap, okay? And when someone is admitting that they don't have the skill or the knowledge, there is the possibility of building that skill or knowledge, of closing that gap. It's different than when someone says, well, I tried that, it's not working. No, I know how to do that, and they just aren't, right? There's a a cessation of externalization of blame, and there's the possibility for taking ownership, taking responsibility over what's going on. So I love hearing that statement. I don't know how. Now, big red flag for you, coach. Big caution here. Do not assume that it's a skill gap. 
be really cautious about leaping because it would be a leap to that conclusion. It might be a skill gap. It might be a knowledge gap, or it might be something else. And as transformational coaches, we are committed to unpacking every mental model that shows up, every belief. I mean, yes, we are. We, we have to interrogate our beliefs and our thoughts because so many of them are problematic. So many of them are actually not what they truly are, or they're just the tip of the iceberg. And when we unpack them, we find the roots of the problem or the issue, and then we can actually instigate transformative change. So don't jump. If someone says, I I don't know how to get my kids to come in and be quiet, restrain yourself from wanting to jump into advice giving or saying, have you tried this? Have you tried that? Hold on. Because first you really want to unpack what is going on. So when someone says, I don't know how, I say, all right, let's break this down. What do you think you need to know? What are the components of what you need to know? Every skill set is made up of many, many sub-skills, right? So we want to start breaking it down. So I had a teacher say to me not too long ago, I don't know how to build positive relationships with students. I really don't. I know it's important, but I don't know how to do that. So to be honest, the first thing I said was thank you for your honesty, because admitting that you don't know how to build positive relationships with students can be a vulnerable statement, right? Revealing that's something that so many teachers think that is supposed to be instinctual almost. So, okay, so you don't know how to build positive relationships with students. That is a powerful awareness you're having. What do you think are the skills that go into building positive relationships with students? That's what I ask. Let's break it down. What do you need to know in order to do what it is that you think you need to do? And then we'll talk through those. And as we talk through them, I am listening for knowledge gaps. So I don't know how to build positive relationships with students. When we started unpacking the skills, the teacher said, I think I probably need to know about what middle schoolers, this was a middle school teacher, what middle schoolers are interested in, what they like to listen to, what games they like to play, what they like to watch. So the teacher thought there was a knowledge set around the content or the interests for students of that age. I said, okay, let's note that down. That's one thing. What else? What are the skills you think you need to have? Well, you know, the skills to like sound not too uptight. I said, okay, so what is that? Well, maybe to sound kind of calm and cool, but I don't want to sound like those teachers that are trying to imitate, you know, 13 year olds. Okay, so let's keep. So I kept asking questions. I'm going to tell you a little secret here to make the teacher work, to make them do all the thinking the reflecting, the learning, the identifying, right? And then I'm listening for what are the knowledge gaps? What are the skill gaps? I was surprised in this conversation that the teacher 
didn't have an awareness about their um, social emotional cues, how they could use their voice, their face, their presence to engage with students, to make students feel relaxed and comfortable with this teacher. So that was really interesting to hear. And so that, of course, is an emotional intelligence gap. And I guess I'm also integrating in here how I use the concept of mind the gaps and the way I listen through those. So I'm listening for what does the teacher actually know about how to build relationships and where are the gaps. And what I also asked in in connection to this was I said, okay, I hear that you are feeling like you're struggling to build positive relationships with students. Can you tell me about someone with whom you feel like you have built positive relationships, an adult or a child or a group of people? I said, like, do you feel like you can build positive relationships with colleagues? Let's unpack that. So really, I wanted to get this teacher to think about how they go about building relationships And then what are the particular challenges with students? What are the, what are the specific areas that they need to work on? So this is unpacking, unpacking and unpacking the statement before you offer advice and suggestions and direction. Because otherwise what can happen, and you've probably had this happen, is that you offer advice, suggestions, direction, and either they don't use it or they seem kind of like, or they don't follow through, or they say, well, I tried that and it didn't work. And then their trust in you has gone down just a little bit because you made a suggestion and it didn't pan out. Now, it doesn't always happen that their trust in you goes down, but it's a missed opportunity because if you can slow down and narrow in on the exact challenges that the teacher is having, then you'll be able to provide the kind of advice, feedback, suggestion that might really work. Now, sometimes someone says, and this is common in equity situations, sometimes someone says, I don't know how to do that. I really just don't know how. I don't even know how I would start. And what I hear sometimes, what I intuit, what I observe in their voice, in their facial expression is fear. It's not, I don't know how to do this. It's, I'm afraid of doing this. I once heard a Buddhist teacher. Her name is Pema Chodron. She's a very well-known Buddhist teacher. I once heard her say, use this phrase that just stuck in my mind, which was, learn how to be a hound dog for fear. And she was saying that in the context of there is so much fear present. And when you can sniff it out really quickly, you get to the root of the problem much faster. 
I can't remember where I heard that because it was probably eight years ago. But since I heard that, I do feel like I have turned into a little hound dog for fear. And so I am constantly sort of listening through, I don't know, like maybe I have 20 different ears. One of my ears is like, or maybe it's a big nose. Where is the fear? Where is the fear? And so particularly when we are in an equity conversation and I hear someone saying, I don't know how, or when we're talking about power dynamics or making big changes, the I don't know how is I am afraid to. And sometimes in those moments, I use the confrontational stance. I talked about the confrontational stance last week. And I'll say, really? Do you really not know how or are you afraid? That's what it sounds like sometimes to use the confrontational stance. I'll say it that way. Really? Is that true you don't know how? or you're afraid. And I'll tell someone, I want to make sure that we are going in the right direction. So let's figure this out. What's really going on? So that's the second direction I go when I hear someone say, I don't know how. I explore fear. And then I would say the third direction is I try to guide the client, again, back into their prior knowledge of doing something similar, and then to transferring those skills. I want them to see how they can draw on other experiences, previous experiences when they didn't know how, and pull on that same learning that they did, the approaches that they did, and transfer it over here. So that is really connected to the first um, direction I go in. So let me restate these. Okay, the first direction is I say, let's break this down. Let's really analyze what is it you don't know how to do. Let's understand the specific sub-skills. The second is to explore fear. And the third is to identify a time when the client was able to do something similar to what they say they can't do, and then to figure out how we transfer those skills. Those are three ways. Now, you might wonder like, well, how do you know which one to choose? And that really has to do with what I know about them, what else they have said in the conversation, the other things that I've been hearing, the other sort of insights that I've been coming to or things I've been noticing about them. It's like when I'm coaching someone, a lot of times there's, this is such an intuitive way of talking about this. It's not linear. It's not sequential, but it's like there's a puzzle and there's all these pieces all over the table and I'm seeing little bits that connect here and I'm like, oh, more fear. Let's connect that here. Oh, here's some issues that are related to this person's identity. Ooh, here I'm unpacking an emotion. And then sometimes like, like, you know, when you're doing a puzzle and you just, you're able to connect three chunks of little bits and you're like, oh, wow, look at that. That's what it's like for me in a conversation. It's sort of like it all comes together. And then I I have an idea of something to try. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes those thing I things I try work. Like they result in someone getting an insight. They result in someone saying, "Oh, that's a good question." 
When someone says that, the pieces have come together for me and for them. And sometimes the thing that I come to and that I say really doesn't yield anything. Or the client takes it another direction because it wasn't the right direction. And so a lot of times when I'm coaching, I offer what I have without attachment to it working. It's like my intuition might be telling me something and it might be right and it might be wrong. And it's not a big deal. So what I'm, when I hear something like, I don't know how to, as I just described to you, it's almost like there's three different roads I can take, three pathways that I could try. And I choose that pathway based on what has happened so far in the conversation, based on what I know about this person, what I'm hearing. Sometimes I hit a dead end and then I just go back and I try another pathway And sometimes that pathway opens up a whole lot of insight. So that is not only what I say when I hear, I don't know how, but some of the thinking, decision-making that goes on in that description of those three pathways. Okay, but listen, beyond figuring out exactly what you're going to say, Here's what matters most. Remember, things usually aren't what they seem. Don't get tempted to just fill up a skill gap. Unpack, explore, and get clear together and then take action. All right. I just want to take a minute to make sure you know about all the other ways that you can keep up with me and keep up with everything that we're doing in Bright Morning. So you know you can find us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn. Check out the show notes for quick links to add me to your feed. And also, while we're talking about social media, if you want to support me and this show at no cost, Just share this episode with your network and tag us. Word of mouth is really the most helpful way for people to discover new shows. And so this simple action that you can take right now that will take a minute or so could make a big difference. All right. Thanks so much, friends. And as always, I want to acknowledge that the Bright Morning Podcast is produced by Leslie Bickford and Stacey Goodman. And Stacey Goodman does the sound engineering. 